Okay. What's up, everybody? Hunter Orell here. Today, we are joined with Kath Simmert, who is a photographer uh, that many of you know, uh, probably from Adiz Spaces or from Twitter. Um, her photography of uh, just nature in general is some of the most breathtaking, breathtaking photography I've ever seen. Um, and this is an interview that I think has been scheduled, what, like four or five times. And because of just craziness of life, um, we're finally making it happen, though. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really <laughs> excited for today. I've uh, been doing great. Uh, I've been trying to get out. I went out yesterday, but um, with the smoke, we have a lot of wildfires here. It's been a little bit difficult to get out. Where, so Where are you based out of right now? So I'm in uh, Canmore in Alberta, in the Canadian Rockies. So uh, yeah, it's a stunning place. We've had a pretty weird summer. So we've had wildfires starting at the end of June all the way to now. So we haven't really been able to do like anything outside so that's why i've been a lot of on twitter more than usual it's not right. my, not normal for me usually i'm like off social media for days at a time um but yeah you know i'm just having fun uh, on twitter and and uh, meeting new people so it's still pretty cool yeah i mean so when you obviously like i would say your like big moment was when d's found you and like that's that's how i came across you is when d's messaged me he's like you need to check out this photography um and then he bought one of your pieces then you had a huge sale for 30 ETH um yeah. I mean when how did you find out about NFTs was it just like you happen to come across them or, or how did that happen um I think to be fully transparent I think I heard for the first time about NFTs uh on TikTok <laughs> really of all places yeah, on really I know. I, I feel a little bit shameful about that because I'm like, I would like to come up with like that really inspirational answer. But honestly, I was just scrolling on TikTok back in 2020. I think it was probably around November or something. And then I started to see um, more and more videos about cryptos and NFTs in general. So then I, this really just um, got me super curious. Uh, and then I discovered that some of uh, the photographers that I look up to, like Dave Krugman, were already uh into the space uh in the nft space and they recommended me to start jumping on clubhouse and uh start learning there just you know listening five six seven eight hours a day just being in the right. room and uh you know back in the days when clubhouse was really um really popular and now it has died down with the twitter spaces uh but it took me about four months to fully jump in because i really wanted to take my time to understand the space, come up with a plan, you know, take my time to come up with a full Genesis drop that has like a, a story behind it. I'm also doing the promo video, which I don't know if you've seen. I have, I um, have seen. Yes. Yeah. So just that took, took me like probably a few weeks to make with the, the guy that I'm working with, Matt, um, who's a excellent videographer. And um, yeah, so I, I took my time um, and then I did my Genesis drop. So my first photo, I think back early May and uh, I didn't get any sales after that. So the, the first was kind of like a big sale. I was really happy. But after that, it, I, I was also in a period where, uh, you know, NFTs in general kind of like died down. There was like- Right, right. We did have that kind of like slump. 
Yeah, exactly. So I was not really, you know, I was trying to keep my head up and just, you know, keep sharing my story. Um, and then there's, there's one day I was just on one of these spaces and I remember there was Justin uh, on stage and he was like, hey, I'm seeing Kat down in the audience. Like, let's, <laughs> let's bring her on stage and let's, let's have her talk about her recent uh, drop. And then I started talking about um, one of my NFTs that basically I'm including a trip to the Canadian Rockies over there. And I was, you know, pretty proud of it because I don't think it's been done before. And I think I'm the perfect person to bring people to cool places because I'm a photography workshop. Right. This is what I do in my, this is my day-to-day -day job. Um, but yeah, so then we just had like a really cool space. I talked about my creative process, about my job just about life in general. And, and then right after that, the, these placed a place to bid. So yeah, it's been a crazy journey, crazy journey. <laughs> it's, you know, I think a lot of people that get into the space when they, they first jump in, they don't know what they're stepping into. Um, and I think everybody has a different kind of, um, journey. Like some people will have instantaneous success. There are people that have no success though. Um, I think, I think the most worrying for me, and, and I, I hopefully you can speak to it and kind of share your experiences, you get that initial sale, you're like, oh my God, NFTs are going to change my life. And then you have a period of no sales. Yeah. Um, what was, what was that period? Like when you weren't like in, in the, like the no, like people weren't all like trying to buy your stuff. Like how did that feel? Um, how'd you get through it? What would you give as advice to people that are going through that possibly? Yeah. Um, I think that when, especially for your Genesis drop, like most of us, most of us tend to have like really high expectations. So I think, you know, going back, maybe telling to my old self, you know, how, what to do or how to react. I think I would just say to go with zero expectations, which was very difficult for me because I've just put so much time, money, and energy into that first Genesis drop. I also did like a bunch of interviews with Sony Alpha. Like they shared my drop. Um, I did an, an editorial on Super. I did so many interviews and, and podcasts and so that I had an idea that this was going to work. And it right. ended up by working, but right. it, you know, a few weeks before making a second sell. Um, so and I think that maybe some people they tend to just become a little bit depressed and sad about it and they're like you know what fuck it there's just like stop whatever but i think you have to do the opposite and this is right. exactly what i did so i started to retweet all my friends work like even like 10 times harder like every time someone would make a sale just like huge interaction feeling happy for them you know staying genuine and then trying to jump on, on spaces to tell your story so I think actually you have to do the opposite and you have to kind of like accept that maybe one of the best way to, to market yourself is actually to do more than what you thought that you did. I, so, I a thousand percent agree with that. And that's what I tell people when they get into the space, like you can't just come in and post a link and expect for it to sell. It is a yeah. job. You have to be active. You have to go hard. You have to wake up every morning and interact with the community. Um, and it can't be like a, you know, 10 hours of buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Have you seen my project? It's, yeah. it's genuine interaction where you're maybe you don't even talk about yourself. Like you're just retweeting and saying, I love your work. And exactly. from that comes a following comes friendships, comes, um, people who will buy your stuff. hundred percent. And I can say that 
from that experience when I had no sales and was just like full on, like helping my friends getting into the space. And this is where I, I, I developed the best friendships. Definitely. Like it just, it gave me the time and space to actually really focus on building connections. And I think this was like the best strategy, even if it was just, you know, um, kind of like natural to do that. So, right. Um, yeah. So who's, who's been like the, your favorite people you've met in the NFT space so far? Um, you know what? I really, I really like the, the, the photo crew that I just did, um, with the fractionalized fund. So, uh, okay. John, Ravi, Ben, um, I, they're like great, really great artists. Um, they're just amazing people. John is like that bubble of positive energy, just always so uplifting. And Ben is an amazing photographer, really talented. And Ravi, I remember back in on Clubhouse, I was just just listening to him speak. And he's just like so eloquent and so outspoken. And he's also very good at art direction. And I think he's just like, yeah, he's 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 amazing. Um, and, and Ravi, I remember I knew him kind of like from the Instagram uh, crew, but I never got the occasion to talk to him. Um, so yeah, I just learned to, to, to know him and he's been amazing. And uh, yeah, there's also Dave Krugman, which I, I did take a trip with him um, back two years ago with the Sony Alpha crew. So we did talk a little bit, but you know, more like friendly, but I feel that the, the NFT space, just like sharing a passion together really helped. It is. Like it's everybody crazy. supporting each other. Like, I, and it's yeah. been really interesting because I think I've met a lot of people in the photography kind of like group and in the animation group and like the 3D design group. And they all like, even though there's kind of like niches within NFTs, they're all like, yeah, I'm an NFT person, like at the end of the day. And I want to like support and like, it's just one big family. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's, it's been really crazy. Also, I've really been like loving discovering new styles of photography or new style of art because before NFTs, I was not really interested in 3d art. I was not really interested in, in conceptual photography even. And then I met Brendan whose conceptual photography is amazing. And we've been connecting a lot over the last few months. And just like all these new amazing artists like are inspiring me to not even maybe try 3D art or animation, but even step up my game in photography and be like, okay, like this is freaking epic. <laughs> I need to I need to create even more epic shit because right. all the 3D stuff is it, like- It kind of like amps epic. you up. Like you look at your work and you look at something like you see what other people are doing. Like, oh, that gives me ideas. And you like improve your, like you just, it's like a, everybody's kind of like pushing each other to their limits because yeah. you see, you're seeing so much more. Yeah, that's it. I, th 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 this is what I really like. There's no like feeling of competition. I think it's more like- It's uplifting. Ourselves. Yeah, uplifting. That's the word it's it's i've never felt anything like that to be honest even back with the instagram crew like i think it was way more about competition but here yeah. it's just like like nobody there's no tolerance for negativity or you know bad people or you know assholes here it's all it's you know. it's every i think everybody realizes we're so early there's so much room for everybody to grow and if you're selfish right now you are shooting yourself in the foot like why be selfish yeah. when there, like, there's enough for everybody. If you want to be the number one photography person, I mean, it's not like there's going to be one. There's going to be hundreds of them. 
Um, yeah. you, you can't, you can't be selfish. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And, and I, obviously like with what you've done, you've, you've gone out, you promote other people. I, I've seen numerous artists that I've discovered, um, through you. And that's like, when I see people doing that, it makes me more bullish on them. Like as a, as a person, not, not only as like a photographer or artist, but like, you know, when I see people who are taking the time and using their platform and saying, this is somebody who I think is overlooked. This is somebody who should be supported. I'm like, that's a good person. They're a team player. They're part of the yeah. family. They'll be around for the long term because they, they care about the space. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe on that note, like who, who are some people you think are like overlooked right now in, in the NFT and photography space? This is a good question. I just want to plug in all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, like I, I have been really annoying with my friends, including Tyler Leckie, which is an amazing landscape photographer, Monica and Joelle or Joey. She's all the way tattooed. Maybe you, you would recognize her, but uh, these are like the three. Oh, and also Ryan. So I have like there's some there's about four people that I introduced uh, the NFT space to them and they all made sales with like within, let's say, five to three weeks. So I'm like so stoked about that because for me, I think it's just a way to give back, even if I'm not you know, right. giving back like, you know, some of my money, at least I can help them or guide them the best that I can. So they can actually they, they, they can um, they can be successful in this space. Um, so, yeah, I, I think these are all great artists. Um, I think that from doing so many trips with Tyler, Tyler Leckie, um, he's just one of the rare people that I, I feel will dedicate everything he has for photography. Um, not that he's like full time, he has a side job, but for example, we've led a few uh, photography workshops together in Patagonia. And yeah, um, Patagonia photos are like because i was showing my dad before before we got on here and i was like because he just got he got a camera and he got a bunch of lenses and like oh, yeah he's, he's getting back into photography and i was like i'm gonna talk to this this girl like let me know if you have any questions and like i walked back into his office a couple like 10 minutes later I was like you have questions he's like how and i was like what do you mean how and he's like it's just these photos like how and i was like i know right like she's she's insane <laughs> Wow, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I think, and this is gonna make a link with Tyler. We just spend such an insane amount of time hiking and just waiting for the perfect light, or coming back to this to, to the the same spots to get the perfect light or find the perfect composition. It's really like obsession. I think that the 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 the, the answer is obsession. And I love um, that answer. Yeah. Um, and I think that when it comes to Tyler, basically, uh, when COVID happened, um, I, we were leading a photography workshops together in the, down in Patagonia and um, like everybody was coming, coming back home and he decided to stay there like during pandemic, like in a small mountain village, just to keep shooting and keep, you know, exploring. And I was like, you don't want to come back home like everybody? No, he was just dedicated to stay there despite spending three months the year before at that exact spot. And like, I can tell you, he's been to pretty sketchy places, sleeping alone at the top of mountains, like scrambling up mountains, like without ropes and stuff. So 
he's probably one of the only individual that I know that is as crazy as me. So I have a huge respect. I've, I've heard your stories. Like you've, you've had some crazy adventures and like whenever, okay, I have so many things here and one like question comment. So <laughs> landscape photography sometimes gets a little bit of like, people are like, well, you can only take so many photos of the same mountain. They're yeah. all like the same. Um, and I, and I disagree with that because I think there's, you know, different qualities and there's different um like lighting settings you can really show uh, a mountain differently um but like the biggest part of a photo to me is the story behind it um Mm -hmm. you can show me two photos and if you're like two people took the same photo next to each other and if like one person was like yeah i landed on top of the mountain on a helicopter snapped this photo gotten left and the other person's like yeah i i hiked up the mountain for two days a bear attacked me um i like i had the no way to start a fire like i'd be like okay i like that photo more because of the story and the grit and the obsession like you said into that photo um i mean one do you have a comment on like that philosophy i have and then two like i guess the follow-up question is like what is your craziest like adventure to get a photo like what did that look like um because i do know you've had some crazy stories (laughs) Yeah, uh, these are great questions. I think that as for your your first question, personally, I feel more satisfaction from creating an image where I worked hard to to get it compared to just getting out of my, my car and just snapping a photo. For me, there's like almost no fulfillment for that. And uh, I think, you know, when you start with photography, like it's pretty rare that you go full on like for days, like, you know, you're just learning. So when I started, I was a bit more like that. Right. But as the years passed, I just, yeah, I just realized that I personally was connecting more with my work where I was really pushing myself hard physically and mentally and sacrificing some sleep and going to crazy places. And then I come back and I'm just even more proud and I connect even more with it. Um, and another thing that I have to add to that is that my style of photography is a little bit different from the tra- traditional landscape photography. Right. So let's say like traditional landscape photography would be to capture a scene or the moment and then perhaps enhance some of the details or whatever, the sky and the colors. But for me, what I do is that I go in nature and I like to capture different bits and parts of nature. And then I... I'm in nature and I'm kind of like, I'm collecting all the pieces of a puzzle. So then when I put everything together back when I'm home, I can create something that's like halfway of what I saw and experienced and uh, and myself and my own personal vision of this place and my own personal interpretation. I love that. So so this, uh, maybe for some people, it, it can appear like, oh, you just take one sky and one foreground and that's it. But it's, it's the opposite. Like I can spend years to come back to the same spot to perhaps just shoot the mountains. And then another year just to shoot the river because it has a bit more water. And then another year, maybe same spot, come back to the same spot and then capture another, the perfect sky. So I like to merge, you know, time, time and, and places and different elements of the same places together to create the final composite that it's called. So this is really what I'm, what I'm passionate about and what, where my personal photography is heading to. Um, and it's where it, it has been over the last few years, I would say as well. Wow. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I love to do that. I think sometimes even when I look back on like photos where it's just a, a single shot, I like it, but I don't like it as much as, you know, all the time that I've put into collecting all the little pieces. of Right. Cause you're, you're, you're creating on top of capturing at that point. It's not like, you know, yeah. I mean, the photo is, is one thing, but then to go and be like, I'm going to like make my own creation out of this and it's years of hard work. And it's maybe like two photos you're in love with taking one that you is like the perfect reality for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think you said it, it's the perfect reality for me. So right. even if it does not represent the perfect reality of the, the natural landscape, then it's just, I think it's, it's even more for me, um, elevating because that's how I personally create with, with, with my work. Um, and as for a crazy story, I actually have two. Um, I, I love two. Two is better than one. So I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Okay, so the first story is basically it's a spot that is called Cobalt Lake that's in British Columbia in Canada. And uh, I've been wanted to photograph that spot for so many years. Um, I came back there probably four times. So first time arrived after sunrise too late, conditions were bad. Second time, bad conditions. Third time, could not even see the trail. There was like a snowstorm. It was a complete disaster. Fourth time, I don't even know. It was just every time that I have done this trail, that something happened that were keeping me from even like seeing what it looks like. Right. Um, and it's like, it's a pretty, pretty hard hike. It's about uh, 10 kilometers up, I think around 1500 meters of elevation gain, which is pretty steep over 10 kilometers. Um, and, uh, yeah, so like, I remember back in 2019, I had about two weeks in the Canadian Rockies cause I was doing some workshops and I was like, I need to go back. I need to photograph the spot. I need to do it. Like, this is just like obsessing in my mind. I just remember that I wanted to capture that spot. So I decided to drive there. Um, and then I slept in my car at the trailhead and then I started the hike by myself at two in the morning. Um, so one important detail that I forgot was that the day before that I left, I saw a group of friends and they saw that on that exact trail, they had to turn back because they saw a grizzly on the trail. So, so despite this, I was so like, despite, you know despite like your friends being like, Hey, we saw a grizzly where you're about to go. You're like, well, let me just go at 2 AM by myself on this trail. Yes. <laughs> but I, do, do your friends do they are you like the crazy one in your friend group or <laughs> i think uh, i think yeah i think i probably probably be, yeah anyway I, I just I say, yeah. for for my listeners i would not do that and like I, I consider myself like i've i've done that like in canada like i've gone remote hiking in remote ontario but like with a group of people and if i saw a grizzly or i knew people had saw a grizzly there i would be like nah not for me not for me <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, and anyway, so I slept in my car, I woke up at 2 a.m. And then I started the trail and, you know, to keep bears away, right. First you had, you need to have your bear spray, but second, you have to make a lot of noise. So I was just screaming nonstop as I was going up, like completely out of breath. And then I was around, I think halfway into the hike. And then eventually re you reach a plateau. And like lots of little streams, lots of berries everywhere, a perfect habitat for a grizzly. 
Um, so I am like, okay, I'm gonna really scream and pay attention. So I make my noise. And then, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like trying to go fast. And then there's one point I see right on the trail, a huge black mass with shining eyes looking at me and not moving. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> what do I do? You know, like, well, I, yeah, I, what do you do? <laughs> I, so I, so what I did was that I just took my bear spray and uh, I just, you know, put it in, in front of me. And I backtracked, but like walking, still looking at the bear, uh, slowly, at, like until I didn't see him anymore. But it was such a weird. It was so weird because it just didn't move, and he, I could just see like the eyes and and like the the shape of the face and the nose and everything. I know it, this was a grizzly, hundred um, percent. But he, he was just almost like sleepy, you know. Um, so it was just a really strange behavior because, you know, usually bears, they will just, you know, like uh, walk away or they're, they'll move or do something. It will move. But I think he was maybe sleeping. I, I'm really, I'm really not sure of what happened there, but he was so calm. So I just backtracked uh, about 500 meters. And then I waited about 15, 30 minutes, keep doing a lot of noise. And I was so pissed that this was my fifth time doing this damn it trail <laughs> in your head I, you're like I, so your plan was to wait and keep going it sounds like yeah yeah so, <laughs> so, 15 minutes is not enough i know but then the sunrise <laughs> was like happening i was looking at the time you know gonna shoot my shots uh so yeah so then i just decided to go back making like as much noise as i could ever just like my hands my voice everything and he was not on the trail anymore so then i kept going in the dark all the way to the top then kept going further and you know i was high adrenaline so i was not even i can't imagine like my heart rate even listening to the story is a little bit oh like it's an intense <laughs> story like i cannot imagine like you were the entire time like just full of adrenaline, fully awake, like heart racing. Yeah, it, it was insane. And it's actually, it kind of sucks because I took the photos of the sunrise and I didn't realize, but I was shaking. So half of my shots were blurry just for me, not waiting. Or I was just so hectic. You were so amped up still. So hemped up and then, you know, the sunrise was happening and everything. And then I, I'm also taking a lot of self-portraits. So you gotta make sure that the camera is secure. Everything was falling down. I was a, I was a huge mess, but I was able to take one photo. Um, and then on the way back, I, I was like, well, I'm gonna have to make a lot of noise now because where is probably there just hanging out. So on the way back, just passing by the, the little plateau um i just made a lot of noise and the bear was not was not there um and then i kept going down and i kept screaming and i remember i saw a first guy just like going up as i was going down and it was like you okay like why are you screaming so much and i was like well i saw a bear just so you know like i saw a bear there so are bears out here there's a bear yeah exactly <laughs> so so yeah so then i i, I I hiked down, took my car, drove back to another hike. And then I did another hike the same night, another 10K. And then I slept at the top of a mountain. I was so fired up. I That's was, insane. And like, and so you just said it was a 10K hike. 
Yeah, 10 k. So it's not only a 10k hike at 2 a.m. with bears, but you're yelling and screaming with camera yeah. gear up a mountain. Yeah. So 20k return. Yeah, plus another hike the same day. That is yeah. insane. But I think I so that I'm not entirely sure how I did that because I think like like even today that would be a little bit intense, but maybe just the FOMO of being there just like for a short period of time, you know, doing that hike and the fifth time. Yeah. I was like, this is enough. I I'm getting this. Like, there's no way. Um, that, yeah. okay. So you like, and I, I think the word that I'm taking out of this interview and like this discussion that I'm like really eternalizing, cause it's one that I like, I think drives me as obsession and like, yes. that's true obsession right there. With a little bit of craziness, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that, but. Yeah. Um, well, uh, most of my friends and family thinks I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. So I think that's, you know, but let's say a, a nice mix of both. A nice mix of both. Okay, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then for that second, second next that I'm thinking, which would be quite nerve wracking, is actually the image that I dropped today. Uh, which is an ice cave. Um, so that image basically um, was taken also in British Columbia. And I took that last year um, and I decided to hike up a glacier because I knew that there were some ice caves there, but it was during summer. And most of the ice caves during summer are not really accessible because the glacier is melting. So most of the ice caves are full of water. They're very unstable. You don't go there. Right. But I just wanted to check it out. <laughs> I just wanted to check it out. <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to go there, but. But I, my curiosity and obsession drove me to, you know, take my car and drive to, it's called Glacier National Park. And it's about, I think, 10K up to about 1600 meters elevation gain. So really steep. Also by myself, also in a bear prone area. Um, yeah, so I just, I hiked up there, uh, four hours and then I reached the glacier and, uh, there was literally no one around because it was, was not a really popular hike. Right. So I'm up there just kind of like the glacier is massive. So it's like, where do you find ice skates? So then I decided to start by the corner of the glacier. So I walked all the way down the glacier and I found an ice skate, which seemed pretty interesting. Um, so I walked all the way to the entrance and basically to get inside, you needed to go down first and then you kind of just like walk straight. Uh, so in the ice cave, because it was melting and it was like 30 degrees, like there were a ton of big, massive boulders and ice chunks just falling off the ceiling every like 30 seconds. Wait, so you could actively see them falling. Yep. Yep. And you're yep. like, let's keep going. And I was like, let's, let's stop there just to like, have a look at the ice cream. <laughs> so I don't know if you can see, but like on that actual photo, you can see all of the pieces of ice on the ground. Um, and also there was a lot of like rocks, basically there's some like rocks sticked to the ceiling that were also uh, kind of like falling. Right. As as it's, yeah, and it was really probably the most unstable ice cave that I've ever seen. Anyway, so I'm like, well, maybe I'm seeing a kind of cool composition down there. Maybe if I just position my camera on my tripod, 
And I just run down, take two or three shots and then run back up like 30 seconds. Maybe I'll be able to get something. Right. And uh, actually I've never told that story to, uh, to anyone. So just so you know. I mean, so the photo, and I was making sure I'm, I was looking at the right one for this. It's the titled Life After Life, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That photo is insane as well. Like the blues, with the blacks, and then the light in the middle is just breathtaking. And I'm going to, I'll link that below in the video as well as on the podcast. Um, but it's for sale right now on Super Rare Life After Life reserve price right now of eight ETH. Um, just breathtaking. Wow. So this is what I saw. I saw the chunk of ice, the color of the ice. And I was like, I need to try to get the shot of that, even if it's super unstable and dangerous. So I positioned my camera on a tripod, ran down, literally took one, two, three click, ran back up. And I forgot my lens cap and my gloves down there. And uh, I was just kind of like, as I was just sitting down to look at my photos, I saw a giant boulder just fell right where my lens cap and my gloves were like right where I was taking my photos. Oh my and God. The, the problem with that is that, you know, you don't have any cell service. Uh, if you were I to get hurt, have, like you're, you're out there alone. I, that would, would be the end for me. And um, I know it's kind of like, you know, nothing happened, but it's just the thought of being up there and like something happens and then you, you know, this was a really, really close call. So this was probably my second closest call ever. Um, and usually I do have like a device which is called Garmin. So you can uh, contact the emergency service. Right. I didn't have that at the time. I think I forgot about it. Um, yeah, so I kind of like, you know, I remember just being a little bit shocked of, the, of everything, even though nothing happened. Uh, but then, you know, when you're like, almost part of a car accident or you're like, oh, if I would have been there like five minutes before, three minutes before, it's like everything that starts to happen in your head. Right. And I remember after basically completing the hike, like during the four hours back down, just thinking about this and basically the the, the text, the caption of life after life is a little bit inspired by this. Like when right. you start imagining what could have happened. Um, yeah. And actually I have not I have not been back in an ice cave since then. Um, not because I'm afraid, but I think because I'm more aware of the dangers of being right. in an ice cave during summertime, I have some glacier guide friends and they would kill me knowing that I did that. Kill me. Hopefully they never listen to this. <laughs> Hopefully they don't. Um, yeah, I, yeah. One in particular, he would kill me. And that's actually why I decided to never share the location, never share that story, because I didn't want to inspire people to go check out, you know, like melting ice cave during right. summer, super dangerous. Um, yeah, but now I'm sharing this with you. So you know, <laughs> this is. The but it, I think it's a, I, I think it's a good like, you know, we, we talked about the word obsession a lot, but there is like a limit to risk for your life. Like you can't be stupid um i'm not calling you stupid i, I realize I'm that might... calling, i am calling myself stupid but like, like this is 100 a stupid move 100%. right there, there's got to be limits you got to like understand that there are there could be consequences and your life isn't worth um you know a photo unless like are you aware of like drift what he does yeah i'm aware of him yeah yeah, yeah like that's different level like 
And yeah. I think there's just some people who are born like, if I die doing this, I'm okay with it. Like, yeah. And if yeah, you're not okay, like dying, taking a photo, you should not put yourself in that risky situation. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm willing to take risks when I have full control. For example, if I'm climbing up a mountain and like, I need to go like through a really narrow ridge, like I have full control, but this is just basically Random. like exposing yourself to something that, you know, could kill you like easily. Right. So yeah. And then the bear story, I think it's a little different because bear encounters, they don't happen that often. So I was just probably just very unlucky that night. Um, yeah <laughs> oh, that's crazy um so these are insane stories have you ever thought about like recording and making a vlog of these journeys like the video leading up to the photo yeah i you know i i think i got into taking more videos of my adventures last year uh and mostly posting on instagram but just little 15 second snaps um i think that for example, one of the reasons why I love to hike alone is because I need to really zone out and get into my creative zone when I create. Um, so if I'm with other people, unfortunately, it really snaps me out of this. Right. Um, so I feel that if I would vlog, then it, it would kind of like put a pressure on me to right. have that performance. So I think what I would probably do is do, let's say a first scouting trip where there's no pressure from me to actually get a photo do a vlog of this and then maybe come back another time to really focus on the creation so that could work that could right. work but both at the same time i think for me would be a bit difficult right it's just and i thought like i i imagine like you you've talked about having these trips like other people um come with you like um i'm trying to remember who who bought the one for like 30 eve and there was like a trip that came with it yeah um, cactus yes um you know just imagining like what that trip is like and like understanding like what goes into it and seeing the behind the scenes like I know if I if I like went on a trip or like if I saw the behind the scenes of all this stuff I would be like all right (laughs) while it's coming out kind of you know it just gets you emotionally involved but I totally get that like it takes the authenticity out of the experience for you if you have to sit there if a camera or even if there's somebody with you because you are, it sounds like you're very, very in touch with like what is happening around you, like the earth, like, and just being connected to nature at once um, to get that image. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying no, though. I think it's probably going to be a natural progression of my career. Right. Um, I'm just learning to embrace this side of photography, whatever, and being comfortable, you know, talking to the camera and being in front of the camera. So I think it's just going to be probably within you know the next year or, or so so it's yeah. exciting yeah. um so i have to ask because i know people in like my discord and you know probably my dad and other people who are aspiring photographers are going to ask what would be your suggestion to any photographer right now that's like i got a camera um i've got photos i have my craft what should i do to start like my first nft or my first collection what would because there's de- so many different directions you can go and each has like pros and cons. What would be your suggestion? Yeah. Um, I'm going to suggest exactly what I told my friends. Um, I think that, you know, it's getting into NFTs is not only about the art. You have to start being present in the community first. 
Right. And then within a few weeks, you can start thinking about minting either your first NFT, either a collection. I think that the Genesis piece is something that's very important for many collectors. Um, so I would tend to perhaps, you know, mint a few one ones first, let's say on foundation, and then think about doing a collection uh, just because I know that, you know, Genesis pieces are really, uh, really appreciated. And this is exactly what happened with my friend Monica. She got her Genesis piece snapped pretty fast. Um, you know, she spent a few weeks before in the community and, you know, just like retweeting, being genuine, talking on spaces, sharing her story. And I really think that having people connect with you first will help connect with your work after. Right. Um, yeah. And then she decided to also mint as her Genesis piece, I think her favorite photo. So I think it's cool. I think, you know, your, your, your first piece has to be like uh, significant for you. So I, I don't think that you need to keep all your best photos for the end or whatever. Just I think that's the worst thing somebody could do actually. Like yeah. if you have a collection of like a hundred, 200 photos and you're like, these are my best ones, but I don't want to like sell them. If you have work and it's good, put it out because you don't know which one is going to be the one that, you know, Justin purchases and now it's like on everybody's radar or Trill buys or um, Pranksy buys or Lupify. Like if a big name see comes across and buys it and it's one of those 200, it could blow up. But if you sit on it and you're like, yeah, like I'm going to wait to sell a couple others and I'll release like two or three. I just think you should put everything out there. Like show your, show, show what you got. I think so too. I, I, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Um, yeah, I would even say like, if you're thinking of minting one-on-one -on -one pieces, let's say three, then mint your, your, your top three. And then it's going to bring more eyes on your work. If you're actually minting your best work first. And this is what I did. I think that I'm in like, my first piece was probably one of my best pieces ever. And that brought a lot of uh, eyes on me. So yeah, and then after you can think of doing a collection. I think you also have to be mindful of your supply. Um, for example, yeah, totally. if you have some style of like photography like me, like unfortunately, because creating one photo can take, can take me a year and I produce maybe 10 to 12 photos max per year. Um, maybe collections are not for you or maybe smaller collections or maybe multiple editions would be better for you or right. even fractalization. You know, There's so many... There's That's so many it. ways. And like, I've had this conversation with people where they're like, okay, I have 10 photos and I want to do like each one is one of one. It's a collection and I want 20 ETH per photo. And I'm like, well, okay. You're, you're thinking in the right terms of like, okay, 10 small supply, maybe higher, but like, if you don't have a following, you're not interacted, you haven't been you know, engaged in the community, nobody's going to come and drop right now 60 K per photo unless no. it's like the hottest thing ever. Um, and I don't even think like Justin or like, uh, I'm trying to think of like, there, there's nobody can really come out and do that right now. Um, no, I don't think so. And so you really need to like understand giving more value than you take almost, but at the same time, finding that price point where it's not like you are going to regret selling it for that. And it's yeah. a really hard kind of like experimentation, almost to like, you might not even make a mistake but you learn from that mistake. Like I, somebody was te texting me and they're like, Oh my God, Hunter, like I sold a photo. No, it wasn't a photo. It was a, it was like a hand drawn piece. And like, I sold it for 0.2 and 
And they resold it a couple of days later for 0.7. Like, I'm so stupid. And I was like, no, you're smart. Like, you yeah. have a collector who now bought something and resold it. He now has positive thoughts about you. You gained a new collector. And I was yeah. like, are they following you? He's like, yeah, they both follow me. They always ask me if I'm coming out with new stuff. I was like, you didn't lose, like, in this situation. You didn't underprice. You priced it correctly. A community yeah. member stepped up. And now you have, you're growing your friends into fans. Um, your fans into collectors and friends like you're you're doing this correctly um that's kind of how this whole like supply and pricing that's how i approach it yeah exactly you know if if you if you can afford to put out a big collection of 50 photos every month then you know there's no problem of you you know putting like these photos point one because anyway you you can sell a lot of them Right. But perhaps with someone who is a little bit more limited, then it makes more sense to price higher. But people have to know that a higher price also comes with perhaps more behind the scenes work, more presence in the community, more time spent on Twitter, more interviews, more, you know, more of everything. Right. Because it's more difficult to to sell something that's priced higher. So, yeah, I think it's it's there's definitely like different ways to start with. But I do think that starting lower uh, especially for someone who's non-professional or just starting in photography, that's the way to go. Yeah. Like even if maybe a few other photographers might be selling, you know, 1.5 and more, maybe sometimes starting at 0.5 is good. And then it might create a bidding war. And then that's how you, you, you get more eyes on your work. Um, and also that's how you get secondary sales. Like you just said. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely a trick sub- subject people starting but um yeah so would you tell people to go do like men on open sea rareable or like foundation i'm curious on that because not everybody yeah. can just go and get like you you post on open sea and for anybody yeah. who doesn't know open sea is one of ones it's kind of like the white glove luxury you know platform to post yeah, and mint rare. on you said, said open sea super rare <laughs> Excuse, say that again you, you said open sea. I think or, you super, super rare. Sorry. There's yeah, just so many. There's so many. I know, I know, I know. Me too. I get so confused. And it's also late. I've been I've been up since like 4 a.m. And yeah, I forget now. Okay. Brain, um, brain so I've, like not everybody can go to super rare. Where yeah. would you tell a newcomer to go and mint on right now? Yeah, I think foundation. Foundation. Foundation, foundation is the yeah, I think the foundation is like the community. Uh, the community. I see this at the community platform, and yes, they're taking fifteen percent. But I do feel that you you see more high end stuff on there. Uh, there's been a lot of photography selling on there. Uh, lots of collectors are also collecting on there. So I, I would say OpenSea. Maybe start by minting one on ones, one photo. Wait for it to sell to mint the second one. Wait for it to sell to mint the third one. And after that, you know, if you want to do a collection or keep minting one-on-ones, I think that's that's the way to go. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I would do if I would start now. That's I. So I'm I'm launching a photography project. I have so many different projects going, and I I looked really hard into this, and I'm I'm glad you said foundation because I think I think when I actually look at like smart contract and I look at um like community and like quality foundation is for photography right now, in my opinion the place to do it. Um, just, it kind of checks off everything. Yeah. Like you're not on open sea. Um, but like that's, that's coming at some point, um, they'll link that and you'll be able to search and find things. 
um, that are from there. Right now, like you can't find anything from Rarible because they're they're kind of feuding over stuff. Um, and then OpenSea, it's eleven fifty one contract. It's shared, so um, there there is some you know n- like negative press around that. But yeah. like I I do think Foundation is the right way to go. Yeah, and and I've seen so many photographers having like a lot of success, and not only photographers, just like all kinds of different artists. So. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I can understand that some people are bummed not to be accepted on platforms like Super Rare, but right now the place to be for photography is foundation. So, you know, I think also people tend to give too much um, value to platforms. Like at the end of the day, collectors are buying the art, not the platform. It is true. But at the same time, like I look at like... Um the what is it the chai or chimoto um collection and like you can't buy it on OpenSea and 99% of the eyes are there and when they you know if somebody to come across it they're like well I can't get it and I have to go to Rarible and there's no and then on Rarible there's no bidding and the liquidity is slow I get that but I I I I do agree wholeheartedly that it kind of doesn't matter where you mint you could go mint on a profile like a new platform nobody's ever heard of and if your stuff is good if you have if you have this shit it's gonna sell like somebody will find it as long as you put it in front of them and buy it it doesn't really matter where it is i agree 100 percent. yeah it has a nice feeling to be on super rare but at the end of the day that what matters is the art right 100 yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. so i have to ask you i have a couple questions um that are like more like personal, I guess. What was the first thing that you minted? Like, what's the first NFT you ever purchased? That I ever purchased? Uh, I think it was, I think it was my ape. Wait, really? I think so. I think it was actually. I do remember that post because I remember like freaking out over it. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the Yetis. But at the same time, I received the Yetis as a gift. So I didn't really mint it. So I would say that the, the real purchase would be the ape. And that's aged well, very well. Yeah, I think I bought it at five. And now, you know, it's the floor. Was, it, was that because I think for a lot of people spending at that point, it was probably like two, around like $2,000. Like you just spent $10,000 on a animated, you know, a hand-drawn ape. What yeah. was like that weird to you? Did you tell friends and family and they're like, what? you're an idiot what are you doing i did not i did not <laughs> i don't that might have been smart for like just to avoid the conversation of what you i did not but then i started photoshopping that ape because i at that time i, I had a um, like a uh, one with a leather jacket and like a weird hat and i was saying that uh, he was my boyfriend and i was bringing him with me on adventures so i photoshopped him like in the river, like me holding just a head, like on the hike. So that was super cool. Um, but then I sold it. I sold my boyfriend for uh, ninety, uh, and then I bought a new one at five point six. Uh, oh wow! One that was maybe a little bit more representative of my aesthetic. Um, what did you What did you buy? What is What are What are the features? So the new one only has a hollow, and is na- like naked, like no no nothing so very clean and it's tan tan fur and the background is blue i love it yeah super simple i like clean i like clean clean aesthetic good looking yeah yeah so i'm pretty happy with that that's awesome um 
what is what would be your like rail and if you could get any nft right now no matter what the price like what is your like would be the nft to have for you i don't know if this is gonna sound bad but i'm gonna say a punt no that's not bad like that's i think a lot of people do hold that as like their grail nft yeah which Um, one would it be though so there's actually one that these had back in the days um and i missed on it uh brown hair with a black mask so once again like super minimalist like my vibe with like you know the superhero sort of mask i really like this one and there's another one which i really like uh black hair straight uh the pirate eye and a mole that's it looks pretty good but i think this one is at 69 right now so i'm gonna have to uh to sell more you're gonna have to sell more art to get to it i do i would say if you if you sold like let's say you sold 70 eth worth of art in the next 24 hours i would turn around and buy a punk right now like like that um i am in the same boat as you though like i i would put my next like big big purchase as being a punk and i watched it slip through my fingers like three times over the last couple weeks of it going like getting sold at like 30 then getting resold at 46 and they got resold again at 70 and now it's not even on the market anymore and it's just like oh the pain it's so much pain it hurts and i think that for me like the reason why i would like a punk is not even because it's a punk but i think that it just represents the shift in my mentality because when i came into the space i was like why are people spending so much money on these ugly pixelated faces? Like I just did not understand. Right. And now I get it. And I think it's when you get it that you're like, okay, now I'm really deep into the NFT space. So like want to spend that much money on a punk. Um, but you know, they're the OGs. So what can we do? Like they were, they were the first. So they were, yeah. they, they were, they're like the first OG collectible project. I, I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, what was the last NFT you bought like recently? I just, I, it's always curious to have these conversations around like the first and like, what do you love? And like, what was the last, like, just to get an idea of like, yeah. I don't know, not like who you are. That sounds a little odd, but like, just like what your like vibe is with the NFT space. Yeah. I, I'm being very careful with my purchase and I just really like to get to know the person a lot if I'm interested in, in getting their work. Um, so my last purchase was, um, a black and white photo from uh, Brendan North. Um, so that was from his collectible, his collection on OpenSea. Uh, it's uh, number 30 um, and it's called Space Bond, Space Bound. Um, and yeah, I just loved it. It's just a, a girl on the bed kind of like levitating with, um, with a space like astronaut, like headset. It just looks so good. Um, and actually, actually, funny story. Um, I missed, I missed Brenda's sale, Brenda's sale, and I was really bummed. Um, I actually took a nap, and his collection sold in like I don't know two or three hours. Oh wow! Um, and then the one, this this photo, I noticed that Norkel guy had it, so I tried to you know negotiate something to get it. Um, you know, and he was kind enough to uh, to leave it to me, uh, which I really appreciate, Norkula. If you're listening, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> such a great guy, such a great guy. Um, yeah, so I, I got the photo and I was so stoked because it was my first real photography purchase. 
And I've been talking with Brandon for like multiple months and I know his, you know, I, I know his uh, creative vision. I know he, he has a lot of intent behind his work. I love his conceptual photography. And also that brings me a little bit back to my old passion, which was fashion uh, back in the days. Um, so I just, yeah. So I think it was just a, a really cool sort of, um, like remembering of, of back like this time and the NFTs and the space. And yeah, I just really connected with that image uh, for some reason. I think it's stunning. I think it's one of uh, the strongest of the collection and now I just listed it for 12 each. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? I, I love these. Cool. I'm just looking at the collection, like the whole black and white and then the yeah. text like being painted onto people. Like it's, it is a it's really all very cool. conceptual, yeah. Everything has a message behind it. I love it. Yeah, the one with the kiss me on the lips, like I would buy that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Um, You know, that's why it sold out so quickly. Right. And I totally get that. Like, um, I think things that have a message and like are connectable with people, like, and I guess evoke like that emotional connection to the photo are going to always sell. Yeah. Yeah, for Um, sure. I, so I guess jumping into the NFT space, you've been a photographer forever. Um, where do you think we're going like in the NFT space over the next like three years, like five, like three to five years? Like, what do you think it's going to do for photography? Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't see this stopping. I just don't see how this could stop or maybe slow down, but I think that, you know, if I just look at my clients or my followers on Instagram, there's probably 1% of them that are even, you know, a little bit in the NFT space. So I think it's just gonna keep growing and exploding. Um, so more and more people would get in this, will get in the space. And I'm hoping that more and more collector from the, tr- the traditional uh, world with also, will also get in the space. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive and, and pretty hopeful that this will, you know, basically uh, become very mainstream and very accepted. So I think that the more people that we get, then, you know, the more we have a chance that this will keep going. Um, and I'm, I'm personally thinking of instead of putting so much time in my photography workshops, like I was planning on doing before discovering NFTs. I will probably instead, you know, take perhaps 50% of my time into NFTs and 50% in my photography workshops because I truly believe in this space. Um, and it's just like such a, such a crazy world. Like, I think that also from a community perspective, every single photographer that I have spoke to were like, what the hell is this community? Why is everybody so positive? Why is everybody so uplifting? It's just something that you don't see. It's and good vibes. Like what other community is like the slogan, good morning, good vibes only. And like, yeah. like it's just no. love. Like what, it makes no sense when you also look at like, what is crypto, like DeFi, like it's a little bit like, you know, meme Lord and like there is yeah. negativity and lots of drama, but like in NFT space, it's like, if you text me and we're like, Hey, um this photo hasn't sold do you mind giving it some love like it's like instantaneous like why would i not like 
It's just yeah. the whole idea of good people that are friends with, like just lifting everybody up. Yeah. I think that also perhaps, you know, crypto native people or crypto people are very open-minded, very free. hundred percent because they've had the whole world tell them that they're wrong and they're dumb and it's not going to last. And they've ignored them and been like, no, I'm open to this. Yeah. So I think that with, you know, this kind of of crew, there's just a lot of like, um, yeah, positivity coming with it and lots of love and acceptance. You know, it's, we're open to new things. Um, Right. So yeah, so I, I I'm I'm really positive for uh, what what we have in the future. I'm actually usually pretty bad at being like, oh, this is gonna become this and that. I like to think about the future, but I'm also the type of person who likes to serve the wave. Um, but yeah, I personally have a very clear path in all my future drops all the way down to December 2022. So like a year and a half from now. Uh, so I I do have some ideas and plans on really continuing this like you know, almost full time. Um, I hope, but, you, I hope you do nothing but like just photography, NFTs and like, that's obviously I think the, the photography workshops and all that, but like, I, you're one of those people I hope never like leaves the NFT space just because of your vibe. Like, I like it. I like your photography. Um, and it's like always nice to see your name pop up in like a Twitter spaces and like, you'll, you, you're active and it, it's exciting to see that. Yeah, I I just love it. I think it's just so. Uh, so now, what do your what are your Instagram followers think? Because like you said, you only have like one percent that like are active or know about it. Like, have you gotten negativity around it at all? Um, I actually started talking about NFTs back in, uh, I think May. Okay. And um, it was it was pretty interesting because I was one of the only photographers talking about NFTs on Instagram. So now like everybody were trying, you know, oh, if you have a question about NFTs, just ask Kat. Oh, Kat, <laughs> she knows a lot about NFTs. And I was literally just new, but because I was talking a lot about it on my social media, right? Uh, I think people saw, like the photography community saw me, saw me as a reference for people who wants to, to start. Um, but I think I have had mostly positivity there's uh, still that misconception about NFTs are bad for the environment, uh, which is, you know, very, there's a lot of um, scientific uh, research about that. So, you know, when you're trying to prove a point or defend your point, usually what I like to do is to have scientific articles, right? Um, right. Which I have a few, but still it's just so not studied and it's frustrating because you know, yes, I've been talking with people who have started Ethereum and, and people who, uh, you know, work for the blockchain and they're all saying that minting NFTs itself is not inherently bad for the environment. This right. is not bad, but like, can we have scientific studies about that? Like, so this is just what I'm saying. Like, as long as we don't have like scientific papers about NFTs and minting NFTs, it's very difficult to defend the point. It is. And I think, I think there's also some people who are like, even if you have the research, like they've made up their minds and they're just like, Hey, it's bad. And like, yeah, I've certainly run into that a lot when I've ventured outside of the NFT community and like posted on, like, I I posted something on Mr. Beast YouTube um, or on his Twitter. And I got people replying to me, like, why would you buy that over a house? And like, 
you know, you can just control, right click, save. You're an idiot. Um, and then I got the, like, you know, you're killing the environment. You realize this. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't even seem like, even if I gave them reasoning, I try to explain like proof, you know, proof of stake and, um, you know, yeah. like electricity usage and how it's not true. And like how something being stored on IPFS versus a YouTube video being stored on a Google server is essentially the same thing. They don't care. Like, and even yeah. like saying like you using Twitter, which uses servers, which is your argument. It just, they, there are some people who just don't want to like it and that's completely fine. Like I'm, I'm all about that opinions and having your own or your own thing. Um, but it is, I do worry about some people that venture into NFTs and they venture into the new, you know, the newcomers and they get hate and they take that personally. Um, yeah, yeah. cause I have, I have, I think, I think I found it a little bit in my beginning, getting some hate from people. I mean, like, what are you doing? You know, you're an idiot. Why would you buy that? You're killing the environment. And it, it did, it did like affect me a little bit. Um, but I think I'm pretty much like a heads down, keep going. Um, I know like, as long as I'm happy, I'll, I'm, I'm good with what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. We're all, the, we're all trying our best to do our part for the environment. And for some people it's becoming vegan and for other people it's not taking the car. Like we all have a small, portion of you know how we how we choose to right you know, do our part so i think it's definitely like an interesting conversation and i hope that there is more studies coming out but at the same time i do think that there's a small responsibility for me to educate people um but at the same time like if there's no open-minded mindness right. then i don't waste time and energy you can't yeah, I no, I I would rather go hiking in the mountains and do and my screaming stuff. at bears <laughs> and scream at bears. This is it, like you know, yeah. I just I don't have I don't have that much time in the day. Yeah, I know. Well, speaking of time, we've been going for about an hour now. Um, I'd love for you to like just plug away, like let us know what's coming. Do you have it? Can you leak any alpha to us for for what is in plan for calf? Um, the floor is yours. Okay. Um, I hate showing myself. So this is no, bad. please. No, like that's, I love it when people show themselves because okay, it, one, okay. it puts them on the spot to see how big, how good of a salesperson you are. Okay. And two, it, it leaks some alpha to, to everybody. So we're excited for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a lot of really exciting projects. Um, I'm currently working on a couple of different ones. Uh, the first is that I'm going to have a drop on the show you platform, which is the, the new NFT marketplace from a sushi club. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm also working on a, I'm going to say very controversial concept for a single drop, which I'm pretty sure I will make on super rare, but it's kind of like a social experiment, controversial intellectual property drop, which uh, tells a story of my most stolen viral image. Uh, and I'm really trying to do something different and provocative. I'm really excited to share about it. I'm this. excited for that one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think people are not really gonna understand at first and then get it. So anyway, I think it's a bit difficult to explain, but I, I really, really believe in, in this. And I do think that this is gonna create some uh, big waves in the space. Um, and then also I, I do have uh, other 
like single drops uh, on, on, on Super Air. Um, and I do have my number two big drop with uh, the experience piece coming oh. up, uh, hopefully for November. Uh, so I'm going to be doing a second NFT, which is tied up with a, a, an experience, so a trip with me. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool, um, you know, because it was a success for the first one. So I'm hoping that someone is willing to go hang out with me somewhere <laughs> for the second one. Um, yeah. And then I have, you know, a, a big roadmap, uh, which maybe I'll tell you later, but, um, you know, I think, uh, it's, it's tough because I just have so many ideas and I just feel so creative and I want to do everything. And there's the only 24 time. hours in the day. And I don't like sleeping. I tell you, when I go to sleep at night, I'm like, can you like, can I sleep just, can I, can I be the next day and start my day? This is I love I that. <laughs> I hate sleeping. I feel it's a waste of time. I just, it is a waste awake. of time. Yeah. It is. I just want to stay awake and, you know, do stuff. Um, yeah. So lots of exciting things. And, uh, I think, uh, I, I think the next few months, the next few months are going to be pretty huge for me. So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm so excited. I'm bullish calf. I'm bullish yeah. calf. Yes. I love it. Um, well, Kat, <laughs> so thank you so much. Like uh, taking the time, being so patient with me. Um, you're, you're truly uh, just good vibes all around. Um, even though you did call me a, a special hoe. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Hey, this is the best. You should put the screenshot right here. So people know what we're talking I, about. I have, I'll have to overlay that in the video. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was the best DM I think I've ever gotten. Um, I think I laughed for like 10 minutes straight. <laughs> you too. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, thank you so much. It was, it was, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and, and I cannot wait to see what you come out with next. Well, thank you so much for having me. That was super fun. And uh, maybe next time you bring your, you bring your wine because I was alone here. Today. I next. Well, how about this? We'll make we'll make a pact here. We'll follow up uh, another interview after your like your controversial piece, and we'll let yeah. that play out. And then we'll follow up on what you've been up to. And actually, I have a Wednesday show that I do. It's called Steak and Wine. It's a okay. play on like proof of stake. Um, and I actually send wine bottles to whoever I'm interviewing with. So we'll drink the same bottle of wine. Um, so if you want a free bottle of wine, we'll do that show and we'll oh. follow up. Yes, I want a free bottle of wine. Everybody That's wants good. a free bottle. Who doesn't want a free bottle of wine? I don't know. It's weird people don't want free <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's do that. That'll be that'll be our, our second episode with Kath. Um <laughs> But anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to follow Kath, I'll link her Twitter below, her super rare and her portfolio page um, below, as well as the listing for life after life. Um, she is just awesome. A great player in the community. Uh, we can't wait to see what she does next. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.